welcome to another episode. My name is Callie Troyer, co-host of Adoption Hacks, and today on the podcast we have Peter Mutabazi. Now many of you will likely know Peter by his Instagram handle, Foster Dad Flipper, but if you haven't yet had the honor of getting to know him, just know you're in for a real treat. Peter is a vlogger, a passionate advocate for kids in foster care, a foster and adoptive dad, and also the founder of Now I Am Known. Today we're talking with Peter about his story, how he jumped into foster care, and about Now I Am Known, which seeks to make sure kids in foster care know they are known and seen and so worth loving. I learned so much from Peter, and I'm so excited for you guys to meet him too. So without further ado, here's Peter. Well, hey, Peter, welcome to Adoption Hacks. We are so excited to have you today. Well, thank you for having me here. I'm truly excited to share a little bit of my story. So thank you for giving the opportunity, uh, but also uh, in some way giving the opportunity to the kids to be heard and seen. So thank you. Yes, we are excited. I think many of our listeners probably already know you from your Instagram handle, Foster Dad Flipper. But for those who have not met you yet, can you just share a little bit about you, uh, where you are, what you do, and... I know this changes as a foster family, but uh, what's your family looks like in this moment? <laughs> yes, well, I like that in this moment. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, my name is Peter Mutabazi. I'm originally from Uganda, but I've been here in the United States for quite a while. And I've been a foster dad uh, for about four, four years now. I've had 14 kids. And for now, I have just two. I adopted my oldest, who's 14. And then I have a new foster child who's 17. I just quit my job so I can be a full-time dad. So you tell me what I do or ask me what I do. I'm just a dad at this point and I, I'm really excited to, to take on and, and take on more kids. So super excited. That is so exciting. Um, so one of my favorite parts about hosting this podcast is just getting to hear how you got to this world of foster care and adoption or caring for vulnerable children. Um, and I'm just always amazed because we come from all of these different places and backgrounds and we all somehow end up here together, learning together and talking together. So Peter, I'd love to hear how you first jumped into foster care. Like what led you to say, I really want to be a foster dad? Ooh, that's a big question. Well, for me, it began with me. So I come from Uganda and I grew up the poor of the poorest, so poor that we did not have a meal, you know, that if we we're lucky, we would have a meal a day. And that meal was beans and potatoes, you know, sometimes we couldn't afford two. So really poor. And no one ever told me to dream or that there was hope for me, you know, then at age of Four, I began to realize that not only were I poor, but I had the most abusive dad. So I had poverty on one side, and then on the other side, I had a, an abusive dad. So for me, had you told me to dream, I'll be like, hmm, dreaming today was so harsh that I don't really want to see tomorrow. Well, at the age of 10, I ran away because I could not take it anymore. So I thought rather, rather than die in the hands of my dad, that maybe I should go die somewhere. So running away wasn't like I was looking for hope, but I was really just looking for a place in some way to die rather than in my dad's hands. So I had never been 20 miles away and I went 500 kilometers away. So I ended up in Kampala, which is the capital city of Uganda. You know, and I became a, you know, I didn't have much really to do. So I became a street kid. And as a street kid, I was treated more like garbage, more like a stray animal. So for me, life was just miserable from the age of zero to, to 15, you know. 
So as street kids back in Africa, we, we don't really, you know, we don't beg for money. We always work hard, but it was also easy to steal food while you're helping. So I helped this family and this family is like, well, what's your name? You know, no one had ever, ever asked my name, but there is a stranger asking who I was. And I was like, wait a minute, what would you want to know my name? Well, he gave me food and he got to know me and he fed me, you know, every, he would come to, you know, to the city maybe twice a month or three times. But every time he came, he'd feed me. And after knowing me for one year and a half, he said, hey, Peter, if you had an opportunity to go to school, would you love to go to school? And I said, wait, school? You have to think, you have to think of this. When you're a street kid and someone tells you to go to school, it's like me telling you, hey, would you like to go to the moon? Like, you know, you, would you like good space? That's how far-fetched really, you know, life was for me. An opportunity to go to school was not there. So I said yes, and he took me to school and changed my life forever. You know, uh, he's a stranger who didn't know who I was, but yet saw potential in me, you know, that he truly saw me. Uh, as a kid who needed the best that he could give me, he didn't see a thief, he didn't see a dirty boy, but he saw a kid that just needed a place. And so he took me in. So I did well in the school and I went to university in Uganda and in England and in the United States. So that's how I got to really know a little bit of Foursquare because I came to the US and I realized just the big homes, the, the choices at Walmart that I had never seen, you know, uh, that I think I struggled, you know, that I struggled in a way that I felt that I had been given so, so much, you know, I'd been given faith, I had been given family. And here I'm in a country where the choices are enormous, like they're endless, you know, and I think I had really struggled thinking in my own self, like to whom much is given, much is required. I've been given so much. How do I give back? And so I decided that if I ever get a home and have an extra bedroom, I'll be a foster dad. And so finally I get a home. And in, in 2016, 17, I decided to be a foster dad. And the reason why I became a foster dad was more to do again for what someone had done for me, that I wanted to do that for someone else, you know, but also that I understood where they came from because I was one of those kids at some point, you know, uh, and I thought I could make a difference and that's what I did. And it's been the most amazing decision that I made to be a foster dad, uh, but also uh, to give back in some way. And it's been an amazing journey for sure. Sorry, my answer was long, but that's how no, I got to be one. <laughs> First of all, I just want to thank you for sharing your story. Like that is an incredible story. And like even with so many hard things you went through, I think you have such a valuable perspective um, that we don't often get to hear in this community. And so I just want to say thank you for sharing that. Um, and then to take it one step further, uh, last fall, Adoption Hack started leading classes for families who might be considering foster care or adoption just to say, hey, come ask questions. We'd love to help you get started. And so we've had this honor and this privilege to walk alongside of a lot of families who are very new. Uh, and they are sometimes we see families that almost get stuck in that counting the cost phase. And I love I love what you shared about to whom much is given, much is required. Um, but it can be hard for families to realize, okay, well, how am I going to do this with my job? Like, is this going to uproot everything that we currently have with my with our family? Um, or what, it's, what is it going to look like to say goodbye or to stand before a judge that 
might be terrifying. I don't know. I've never stood before right. just before. And so um, especially in a system that doesn't often see single foster dads, how did you overcome any fears or questions or doubts in order to say yes to your first placement? I think for me, it was it was passion. Like it, it didn't matter what system I had to go through, but I really had a heart to be a dad and I really had a heart to help kids. So there was nothing that could get in the way in some way, you know? Yes, I think, you know, I started in Oklahoma and I think I was the only male in the entire state, you know, to, to be in the force, you know, to be a foster dad. You know, yes, there was a little bit of scrutiny. Yes, there was a little bit of doubts. Like, I, is he sure he knows what he's signing up for? But I also understood that, you know, I was the <laughs> I was the only male they had in the agency, but also I was willing to learn. I really I was willing to go an extra mile to learn, and you know, and affirm to them like, hey, this is I'm not just joking. Like I really mean it, and I want to make a difference. And I think uh, because I went through an agency, they gave me a social worker who somehow believed in me. And I think seeing that, uh, I think she's like, you know, I think he's he's for real. He really wants to be a, a foster. And I think also through training, they realized that the trauma most kids had gone through had vested in some way. And they're like, you know, these kids so well, because you walked it, you saw it, you smelt it. And I said, absolutely. And I think that was the a little maybe uh, joy that I had that someone believed and said, you know, he, he can do it. But yes, you're right. You know, most time I think they saw me as like a, a man, single. Why? Uh, but I think with time they really began to say, hmm, I think he's for real. Uh, so that's, you know, uh, the hurdles were there, but I think I was determined to not, to not be distracted, to not really think of, you know, of course you go through the, the, the training, they tell you the traumas left and right, and you're like, oh, Lord. But I think for me it was more like I have been there. Mm-hmm. I know that. And above all, that someone loved me despite of my ugliness, despite of my trauma, that I wanted to do the same. So for me, the hurdles were more for the system, but the classes and the traumas that that wasn't, it was more of a, I think, I think I'm meant for this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so you've been fostering for four years, you said? Yes, for four years and I've had 14 and I'm about to go 16 next week. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, congratulations. <laughs> um, but can you tell us the story of how your family came to be? So how did you and your son get connected? Um, and what did that journey look like? Oh, yeah. So as, as foster parents, you know, the goodbyes, I, I like that you brought it earlier. The goodbyes are so hard. But for me, I think I understood what foster care from get to go. I said, Lord, I know fostering is being there for a child while the parents are sorting themselves. So I understood that. So once they came, I I think it wasn't like it was easier for me to let go, but I think I worked so hard to work with the parents so they can have the kids back. That I didn't have to judge them or feel like that was my place, but rather really come alongside and be kind of both parents to be there for their kids. So my number 10 and 11 had left, you know, so that week I was really sad. I was like, this is really hard. So I called my social worker, said, you know what? I need two month break. I need to breathe and think. On Monday, they had left. On Friday, the same week, I get a phone call like, hey, um, is there a way you could really help us? There's a kid who needs a home. I was like, I told you, I cannot. <laughs> I need time, you know, but she insisted, you know, please, someone is, you know, he's at the hospital. He's 11 years old. 
you know, he has nowhere else to go. So of course, you know, you're like, sure. But I, I signed up for only the weekend. So I said, you can bring him, but make sure you get him on Monday. If you don't, you're going to find him on the porch waiting for you. <laughs> that was my threat, you know. Uh, but as soon as he walked in, he looked at me. I told him, hey, my name is Mr. Peter. And this is what he said 10 minutes into it. He said, I know, but can I call you my dad? And at 11, a kid just walked in 20 minutes in. He's like, can I call you my dad? You're like, ah. So I said, no, you can't call me dad. <laughs> you know, because I knew I, I had only offered just a weekend. So for him to call me dad, that just seemed like this can't be real. So on Monday, they came to pick him up. So I asked, so where is he going? I was afraid to ask the story from the start before I got him because I was afraid to be attached, I think. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But that Monday, I think I gained the strength to say, but why? You know, and knowing when they told me the story that he'd been abandoned by the family that adopted him and drove him to the hospital and never came back. And I said, there's no way I can let him go. You know, after all, he'd already called me dad anyway. So from there, I knew you know, that he'll be my son. And, you know, I said, sure, you can call me dad that Monday. And, and we've been, you know, son and, and dad since then. Oh, I love that. And his name is Anthony. Is that correct? Yes, his name is Anthony. Yes. He's 14 now. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So I've only done a couple of interviews before. I'm sure you've done many, many interviews, but I know every time I am talking about our story or myself, like as, lo- as much as I love to talk about that, I really also just love to talk about how amazing and wonderful our son is. And so I would love to just give you space. Like, tell me what your son is like and what's it like being his dad? Ooh. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to cry, but I'll try. You know, he's a good kid, you know, that really needed a dad. And and so a dad in me before I could see myself as his dad. For him, I walked in, I had a different accent. I looked different, you know, but yet he was faithful to say, dad and that's really been through since then he's called me dad he's a good kid he loves to read i mean he sometimes i have to take away the books from his room because i know he's gonna wake up and read because he always wants to know about something you know uh that he loves others he's he's easily adaptable like you you, we can go anywhere and he will easily catch up and talk and enjoy and enjoy other people so he's really good kid but also he loves to help you know uh, uh, that every time he has an opportunity to help, he just wants to help and help other kids. You know, sometimes I buy, you know, a little food for him. And I say, hey, this is for you. But when we go to another family or we have a respite, he will bring the entire bag and give it to this kid. Like, I think this is for you. I'm like, uh, I bought it for you. So he's really kind and, and passionate about really others. Uh, you know, that he adores me. That's maybe the best thing I can say. You know, every time I go to school and I can hear him tell his friends this is my dad this is my dad and it always makes me cry to know that you know i'm there and he believes and he knows uh, but also that he adores me as as his dad has been truly the best i can say as a dad but also uh the best journey to show me that i wasn't wrong you know i was in the right place and i'm doing the right thing because that's what he sees Oh, well, that's awesome. I love hearing about other people's kids and especially on the podcast. I feel like we talk so much about um, trauma or attachment and all of those things are so important for us to talk about. But I also just love to hear about other people's kids because it's a good reminder that our kids are just that. 
they are wonderful and amazing and perfectly created little humans. And so I love that. Thank you so much for sharing about him. Um, okay, so you, along with your son, Anthony, have a brand new initiative called Now I Am Known. And I'd yes. love to hear more about that. So will you tell me what is it and how did it come about? Absolutely. It's called Now I'm Known. So remember when this family picked me up, you know, I had never had words of affirmation from my dad. You know, I was nobody. I would never mount anything. That's what I heard on the streets. I was garbage. I was nothing, you know, and that's really what in some way I believed that I, I was. But then when he took me and he began using words of, of affirmation, he would say, Peter, you matter. Peter, you belong. Peter, you're loved. My favorite, he would say, Peter, you are a gift to us. And, and that really made me special. Like, really? Are you sure? You know, or he would say, you are brave. And then he would remind me that the life I've gone through to still be smiling and enjoying like your prayer. So I, you know, because they changed my life on how I looked at myself. I thought if I ever be a dad, I'm going to use words of affirmation for my kids, you know, and that's what I did. Wrote them on the, uh, on the fridge, in the pantry, on the ceiling wheel, and in my bathroom, just to remind me to affirm them. You know, uh, as you, as you said, you know, kids with trauma, sometimes, yes, they, they need those words more often, you know, uh, that they want to hear that. So that's how I, I really came about. Then we got a dog, you know, you know, our kids, sometimes they have times when they don't want to talk to dad. And I thought, you know, I created a, a bandana that has those 12 words and I, they are on our Simba, you know, our dog. If you can see, this is a duplicate. So he's wearing, uh, you know, the 12 words of affirmation, you know, um, so they can, you know, when they're in the bedroom, when they are not happy, when they don't want to see me, that they can still see those words of affirmation that you're special, you belong, you're enough. You don't have to do extra to please me that like, you are enough. And so uh, a Simba uh, dog would carry those words. So then I began to see other parents that really wanted to know more about like, hey, how can I do what you're doing? And so that's how we created Now I'm Known to really give it as a platform to share with the other moms and dads, but also to give the kids who always never feel they're seen, who always feel they're not hard, who always feel they're not chosen, who always feel that they don't matter to anyone, a place for them to feel they matter, a place for them to feel they belong. And so what we do, basically, we sell one plushie and then the other one goes to the foster kids or goes to the hospital. We also give the plushies to the kids, you know, who are seriously sick at the hospital. You know, some, you know, with those words to affirm them, like you matter to us and we want you to make known. So that's a little business initiative that we get to do. But also um, I'm a stay-at-home dad, you know, something that I can do, but also allow me to be home and foster more kids and also adapt more kids, hopefully, but also be an advocate for kids. A way to tell people, hey, our kids matter. Our kids are chosen. They're not a by the way. They are chosen. Our kids are enough. They don't always have to work so hard to please you. That truly they are enough as who uh, they are and they are loved. So that's a business. And we call it Now I'm Known, basically to make other kids known and moms too there's some female or some moms that have gone through you know terrible domestic abuse but this plush can really affirm them like you are known you're not alone and you belong to us and you're loved uh yeah so that's our business so one of the things i love is that this is a really great way for families to get involved even if they're not yet in 
the world of foster care and adoption. And a lot of our listeners are in that place of considering and asking questions and really exploring. And so I love that anyone can be involved with it. So just to clarify, on your website, there is a way where they can purchase a stuffed dog and one is given away. Um, but then they also have an, you also have an option where they can just donate and then both of the plushies would be donated. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. That's correct. The are plushies, yes. So we give them to agencies, you know, uh, and then we create the twin goes to uh, whoever buys that can give their kids, but also you can give both and we give them all to kids in the foster care through our agencies that get to put them in their buggies. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, another way in some way to, in some way also highlight the, the trauma they go through. You know, as parents, we tend to focus on the behaviors rather than really focus sometimes on the simple words to know, hey, where does that come from? And if we can affirm them and encourage them, maybe that's a good start. And that's kind of what I've learned as, as a dad, you know, not looking at the behaviors, but rather looking at the best love I can give them and deal with the other on the side later. Uh, but it's been a joy to affirm them, to love them, and to make sure they feel they're part of us, that they belong, that they are not alone, and they're seen and heard. So that's one of the things I loved when I was looking at your website prior to this episode today is that I've seen stuff before where, you know, you give a suitcase or clothes or something, which again is very important that kids in foster care have something that is physically theirs that they can carry. But I loved that you added the words of affirmation um, to this project as well, because I think Again, on this podcast, we talk a lot about like, you know, food behaviors and we can sometimes trace that back to, well, this happened in our child's, you know, in their past and this is why we're seeing this behavior or how we talk about different attachment strategies. But I think sometimes it's really easy to forget that what a lot of our kids need and us to some extent as well, but especially in our kids, is that they need to be reminded of who they are um, and that they're loved and that we're not going anywhere and just kind of addressing that fear of like, well, my first family left and so are you going to leave or are you going to stick around? And so I love that you added that words of affirmation um, to the project as well. And so um, how have you seen words of affirmation change your life or the lives of the kids who have come into your home? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I mean, they changed my life. Here's how they, so I had always, I had always seen myself as I didn't matter or I was nobody. This is what he said. So one day uh, he invites me to sit in his car and he wants me to sit in front because for me, the front seat always was for special people, his wife or his sons. Like I didn't feel I was that special to sit in it. And so he, he said, Peter, can you sit in front? So I said, no, I sit in the back and say, Peter, you're special. You are special. And that one word changed my life forever because I had never seen myself as, as special. But for him, he saw that, you know, that even for my kids, uh, our kids who are coming from a hard place, we, we tend to see more negative than positive, you know. So for me to highlight, say more the positive, say more of the words of affirmation, even, you know, I've had one kid who would cry for literally three hours nonstop. But after, I would say, son, you're brave, you know, and, and I would say brave. And he would say, what does that mean? I say, you are really brave, you know. 
I understand what you feel. And then he'll say, dad, can you hug me? You know, and, and understanding that I, I wasn't there to accuse him. I wasn't there to reprehend him of the behaviors, but I was just there for him to, to do whatever he felt. And the end of it, use that word of affirmation to say, you are brave. I really, really love you that much. And, and so to see them change, you know, my son, sometimes, you know, they, the belonging, when you have kids who are in transition, you know, they, they never feel they belong. But the more I get to say, hey, you belong. But also when I think of belong, then I look for ways that make them feel belong. So, for example, a 17-year-old, when he came, I said, well, for me to make him feel he belongs, he has to go pick up his beddings. He has to go pick up his favorite plate. He has to go pick up things he loves that are his, you know. He has to go pick up a plant he loves so he can put in his room because that will give him a sense of belonging. So it's not just words, but they help me also know ways that I can plug them to make, not just the words, but the action I do actually also show them, hey, I belong here. When he, they pick their own clothes, when they pick even the plates they love, uh, to know that they can pick that just really makes them feel like, you know what, this, this is my house, that's my plate. Uh, that I found a way to really deal with trauma but especially not to focus on the negative, but rather to focus on the positive uh, for them. And it's worked so amazingly well. I love that reminder of just speaking over words to our kids that sometimes we see before they do. And you mentioned even Anthony, uh, when he came to your home, he called you dad. And that really drew that out of you in some ways of just, he saw the dad, that you were his dad in some ways before you saw that you were his dad. And so Mm -hmm. just reminding our kids that they're special and loved and wonderfully created. And, um, you know, I love that, just speaking those words into our kids and reminding them of that sometimes before they even start to internalize that. So, Right, absolutely. But also to remember the other side as well, that I am, I think there's a tendency sometimes to feel like, oh, I'm doing them a favor, I'm helping them. But for me to see that they have helped me, you know, they've really helped me heal in some way. It's easy to say you belong, but how do I really act to reflect that? You know, it's easy to say your sin, but when they are not happy and they want to tell me how they feel, am I listening? You know, am I, am I really listening to what they're saying? Even when I don't like the sound of it, am I listening? You know, so for me, that they have truly changed me and made me a better person, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in some way, I'm really honored, you know, that I can have them in my, in my life. I'm honored that they get to really show me of who I am and how best I can be, uh, but through their own lenses. And it's, that's really been cool. You know, and I hope other parents as well. Like, I think we, if we approach it, like I'm not helping them, but they are really also adding so much to my life that I didn't have. It really makes the partnership. It makes the journey not easier. Of course, it's hard in every way, shape, form, but it, it brings the teamwork kind of mentality. We are in together, you know? I'm not just here to load it on you. I'm not just here to to help you and you're not responding. No, but we are team. Where I fail, I want them to help me. Where they fail, I want them to feel that we can come alongside. Trust me, they rebuke me every day. Dad, uh, that's not what you said, you know? <laughs> you know? But for me to practice your heart, I have to hear them out, you know? So... They truly made me a better human being. And I think they've given me more than I have given them. 
Yes, yes. I hear so often that people want to, you know, tell us that our son is so lucky. Like, he's just so lucky to have you. And I was like, well, no. I mean, we're lucky to have him. Like, we, he has completely changed our life. And he's been through way more than we have. And so, yeah, I'm with you. It is definitely a refining process. (laughs) And it's, you know, it is, um, yeah, he's just brought so much joy. And then just like you said, also just made us better people and pointed out where we needed to change as well. So I love that. Yes. I thought I loved, I thought I loved, I was like, man, when it comes to love, I know I was like, oh, wait a minute. I have no clue. You know, (laughs) well, when I say that I'm patient, you know, Ooh, ah, I am not patient at all. But it helped me in ways reflect my own failures. But at the same time, helped me be a better person, as you, as you said. I love that. So there are a lot of things I love about your vlogs and your social media. Just this balance of being real with people about what the experience is like and also being very encouraging and hope-filled as well. And one of the things I really appreciate is how you talk about um, – the kids that come into your home in foster care, how you talk about their first families or their biological families. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier um, when we were talking just about how you want to walk alongside those families, that it's not just caring for the kids, it's walking alongside their family. So how has the spirit or this heart that you have for wanting people to be seen and known, how has that impacted the relationship that you have, not just with the kids in your home, but also with their biological families? Right, absolutely. You know, when I was on the streets, I think most people would say, well, what a mother, you know, because I was on the street. But but in my head, I would say, but you have no idea what she had to go through. Oh, the same abuse I got is the same thing she got. So in some way, like, you don't judge, you don't know her at all, you know, and the same that I wanted to come to my foster kids, parents, to not judge them, but really be a partner in, in raising their kids, but also to know that it's not my place. I didn't sign up to critique them and, and know what background they came through, but truly understand. But also for me, understanding their mom and parent, you know, their whole uh, background helped me how best to help them. I understood the trauma they went through. I understood the triggers, but also I understood the way I can reconnect them back to their parents. But I had to love their parents. Yes, it's not easy. Yes, it's not. But but it, it had to take so much of me to say, I, I don't know how you can be 14 and have a baby and somehow someone expect you to be the best mom you can be when your mom was the same. You know, I had six months of training. I have every resource you can. I was prepared to be a parent. For this mom, no. You know, so how do I come in some way say, hey, get it together? Or how could you do this? You know, that I had to come in with humility, but also know that truly, I don't know, I feel like God ordained them to be parents. So I have to honor that in some way, but do the best I can to really bridge the gap rather than divide the gap, like bridge the gap. So, for example, I'm a single dad. Sometimes I, you know, I had never been a parent before. So for me to give the little glimpse of the mom to help me, I would call the mom if the kid is not feeling well. I say, hey, he's wheezing. You know, what should I do? And the mom will say, hey, this is what I would do. 
do this, do that. I mean, it would take five, two minutes, but in some way, I felt they give me the best knowledge and the best way to help their kids. But also I give them five minutes to be parents. And I can assure you, even the one who hated me the most, every time I did that, they're like, thank you for letting me be a mom for a minute. Thank you. But also created a relationship where I get to see and hear these kids when they go back home, you know, that I really had to invest and, and also earn the respect from their parents. Um, and to do so, I can't be judgmental, but rather embrace them and love on them, but also be partners as I raise their kids. They're going back, you know, and, and I can tell you most time they'll call me like, okay, he's having this. What should I do? What's that thing you used to do? Because I shared with them and they would continue with some of the resources that I use for their kids uh, as they have them back. But above all, I to love on them, respect them. And I think that really helped me to really understand where kids came from and, and how best they can be uh, as parents, as God ordained them to be parents. Oh, I have learned so much from our foster families just through adoption hacks because we, you know, my husband and I have not been foster parents before. And I just am so appreciative of the families that we've talked to this season, just talking about how to really partner with the first family and the biological family and how to love them well, because that's not something I often hear, honestly, people talking about is the journey with the biological family or the first family as well. And just wrapping around them and loving them and making sure that they also hear that they are seen and known and loved and that someone is rooting for them. Um, So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so the last thing I want to dig into, we don't often have too many dads on the podcast, um, at least not talking about their experience of being a dad. We maybe have, you know, therapists or something that'll come on here, but I always love getting to talk to our dads because I just don't get to do it very often. And so I would love to hear, especially growing up with a dad who didn't always see your worth um, and being part of a system where you might be dad for a weekend or you might be dad forever. Um, right. How has your identity as a father grown or changed over your years of fostering? Oh gosh, you know, I, I didn't have a good example as a dad. You know, I had a dad who I saw, just abuse us in every way, shape, form on how he treated my mom, you know? Um, And that created the worst example you could think of, but also fear, you know, as I grew older, I think I was so, I hated my dad so much that I was fearful I'll be like him, you know, because I didn't have an example. Uh, So that was one. But once this family came in and just somehow took me in, you know, I had never seen family sit together and have a meal, you know, I'd never had a a dad or a mom say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. You know, I'd never seen that, but to see them do so, well, uh, without a, you know, there, there was no gimmick it really changed my life, you know, on how he treated me, you know, he, he was a believer, but he didn't tell me his faith at all, but he fed me faithfully, you know, but I think for me getting to know he was a believer was how he lived his life, you know, is all that I watched. And I, I admired that man so much that literally I wanted just to do everything he did. And some way he gave me an example of what a father ought to be, you know, that is loving, that is forgiving, uh, forgiving others, that 
tells the kid every day they matter, they belong, that they are special in their heart, that that's kind of how I really wanted to be a dad. And so once I became a foster dad, it wasn't like it was easy, but I had a mirror of what a dad should be. You know, I had a mirror who had showed me what a dad, you know, when he does something wrong, he would say, Peter, I'm sorry. You know, when he doesn't show up in time and we're eating, waiting for him, say, son, I'm sorry, I, I am late, I go. And, and that for me was like, wow, a dad can say that, you know? You know, so for me, I think that mirror helped me to be the best I, I can be because he really demonstrated. He didn't tell me. He didn't write it on a piece of paper. He lived it every day, you know, that I know as well for me as my kids. Like I have to live it. I just can't go buy shoes and say, okay, he's a good gift. No, that I really have to have time to spend time with them. I have to nurture them, you know, as a, as a man, sometimes it's a world that I really knew that well, you know, that I had to learn from other foster moms on how to nurture, on how to be there and be willing to be vulnerable as well. I think I come from a macho world, men do this, this, I'm like, well, I want to do the opposite, you know, uh, I don't have to be married to be a dad. I don't have to prove myself to one to be a dad. You know, the guy who created me kind of gave me that. And the man who rescued me showed me that, that that was enough for me to rely on, to depend on, but also to be willing to be vulnerable, to ask. It's not a bad thing as a man, you know, that is a good thing. I am, I only have boys, you know. So sometimes when we want to talk about girls and I, I know another female can be the best advocate for my kids, I call a friend that they both know and say, hey, uh, could you share with them about how they should treat female? Uh, not that I cannot do, I do, but from a female perspective. So for me, be willing to be vulnerable, but also willing to team up with others to help me and fit in the gaps where I am lacking has been absolutely the best role as a dad I can be. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey. And I've had 14 kids. No one kid has ever come to me and say, dad, I think you should find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they've always wanted a dad, you know, and I just had to be the dad that I can be vulnerable, messy, willing to learn at the same time, uh, just to be there for what they needed rather than what I think they should need, but rather what, what they needed. Sometimes, which is the smallest thing, you know, taking a walk with a Simba and we get to throw a stone in the graveyard you know it's crazy to know a few little small things that we get to do outside that really gives them a sense of you know dad is there i don't have to worry and that's what i'm learning it's not the stuff it's the time and the words oh i love that and I love that we can point prospective families back to listen to this episode and learn from you. Um, it has been such an honor to talk with you today and to hear about your journey as a dad and as a foster dad as well. Um, so, Peter, thank you so much for talking with us today. Um, where can our listeners find you after this episode? Ooh, many places. So we have a vlog, Now I'm Known, that you get to see the journey and the behind the scenes on how I raise kids. And then we have the, the Facebook, you know, um, Force a Dad Flipper. And then we have the Instagram, Force a Dad. So those are the places where you can find me. Again, the vlog, Now I'm Known, Force a Dad Flipper on Instagram. And you, even by my name, Peter Mutabaz, or Now I'm Known on Facebook. You get to find me. And also, maybe you could buy a plush. We'll send you a plush. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll be sure to link all of those links in the show notes of this episode. Um, But thank you so much again for talking with us today. uh, And we'll see you next time on another episode of Adoption Hacks. Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.